After life, after life. We, get this, we are in the last part of our series, After Life. I, I um, hope you enjoyed the series so far, thus far. I hope you haven't been more confused uh, thus far. But After Life, what a series. You know what's really interesting is that, that uh, when you ask anybody on the street, whether they believe in God or not, if they're going to heaven, and nine times out of ten, the answer is, yeah, I'm going to heaven, even if they don't believe in God, which is... Really kind of interesting. And uh, so what is heaven? What is heaven actually like? What, what is heaven like? Do you want to know what heaven is like? And some people, they kind of think that heaven is like this eternal church service that never stops, right? This eternal church service. But then after 100 years, you know, you're singing the same song for 100 years. You're like, you know, when's this going to end, you know? For some people, that, that seems more like hell than heaven. But anyway, that's for some people. Um, but what is, what is heaven like? And and for a lot of people, a lot of people believe that heaven is the default destination. A lot of people do, that heaven is a default destination. But it's not. Whereas we looked in this series, that it truly really isn't. And it's because of sin and death that, it, that has separated us from God. Heaven is not our default destination. But a place called hell is. So what does that tell us? It tells us that many people are greatly deceived. Now, if I were the devil, if I were the devil, I'll convince you that everyone is going to heaven and that hell doesn't exist. And you know what? That's exactly what the devil is doing. So the title of this message is Life After, Life After Death. There you go. I got, I got after, uh, Life After Death in this, this statement. Life After, Life After Death. Turn to the person next to you and say, Life After, Life After Death. That's nice. That's, that's nice and clear, isn't it? Isn't that a clear title? Life after, life after death. Now, we've been trekking along on this diagram. Can you show us this? Put up the diagram. And so what, is, what do we mean by that? This, so in the, the image of God, we're created in God's image. And uh, when God created our purpose, when God created us, our purpose were, were to be his representatives here on earth. We're God's image bearers to represent God here on earth. And, uh, and there was a, a start in a place in the garden where, where God and man will walk together in the garden of Eden. And it's where heaven and earth overlapped. Heaven and earth overlapped until something happened when, when man decided to seize for themselves what's good and evil. Isn't that true of our own lives? We, we, we want to seize. You can't tell me what to do. I'm going to seize for myself what's right, what's good and evil. And I'm not going to trust God. I'm going to, I'm going to trust in myself and my own abilities. And we seize for ourselves. And we find ourselves in a lot of hot water when we do this. And because of this, sin and death enters into creation. Now, you need to understand something. Death was never part of God's plan. Death is an invader into God's order. Death is an invader. It came in and, 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 and it did three things. The first thing it did, it, it created relational death. The second thing it, it, it did, it created um, spiritual death. We're, we're alive physically, but spiritually we're dead. Spiritually we separated from God, and then it brought physical death. And it was introduced here when man sees for themselves, and we began on this default setting. Our default is not resurrection. Our default setting is this uh, this, this, this living dead, and we continue on as living death, zombies, zombies, living death, physically alive, but spiritually dead. But God loved you so much. He loved you so much. He didn't want any of his children 
to go the how that he stepped into his creation and he binded himself with flesh and that on the cross he absorbed all our sin, all of your sin into his body and he died for your sin. He took your place, he took my place and three days later he rose again by conquering sin and death and, and giving humanity a gift, the gift of eternal life. And like any gift, you can receive this gift or you can continue to refuse. Oh, you know what? I don't need that gift. I want to continue to decide for myself what's good and evil in my life. I'm rejecting your gift. Heaven and hell, or eternal life and hell, they're not future realities, but they're present realities. You can step into eternal life now. You can experience eternal life now. Or you can continue in your living death now and forever separated from God. And then we've got life after death. We, when we spoke about this last week, the intermediate state, uh, also known as after, life after death. Life after death. And uh, those who receive God's gift, and all the Bible tells us is that we're with Jesus. That, that if you receive this gift of eternal life, you're with Jesus. That's all the Bible tells us. You're with Jesus in heaven. Today you will be with me in paradise. All Jesus said, well, he's on the cross to the criminal on the cross. And we're like, Jesus, could you unpack that for us? Go, nope. I'm on a cross. We've got other things in mind right now. Okay. And that's all he says. Today you'll be with me in paradise. And, then, and, and, and those who, who continued on this trajectory of living death, all the Bible says is we go to the grave. Sheol. Sheol in Hebrew. Hades in Greek. The abode of the dead. The realm of the dead. The grave. That's all it says. And today we're going to be looking at, we're going to be exploring the age to come. Jesus' return. What does this look like? What happens what happens when Jesus returns? So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Revelations chapter 20, verse 12. And I saw the dead. And I saw the dead. Who's the dead? The dead are those who continue to, to, to live within, the, to continue to reject God's gift and continue to live within this living death. The dead. And I saw the dead. Great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. See, everyone will be resurrected when Jesus comes back. Everyone. Sounds like good news, doesn't it? Or maybe, or maybe it isn't good news. Because everyone's Hitler's resurrected, Stalin's resurrected. All these 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 villains of our past are resurrected, and it continues on. Another book was open which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in, in the book. Everyone is how to count, is how to account to what we've done. And so they should be. Think of all the evils that have happened in this world. You should be how to count for what you've done. The, the 20th century was the bloodiest century of all time. 120 million people killed at the hands of another person. 120 million, the bloodiest century of all time. 60 million people, Mao Zedong, Hitler, Stalin, killed 60 million people of combined of their own citizens in the name of no religion. Because if, if you don't believe in eternal life, there's a God, then there's, I don't need to be held accountable to anyone. But the Bible tells me that everyone will be held accountable. And so they should be. Otherwise, God will not be a just God. Verse 13, 13, the sea gave up the dead that were in it, 
and death and Hades. And what does Hades mean? The grave. Sheol. The, the realm of the dead, the, 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 the abode of the dead. Gave up the dead and, and, and that were in them. And each person would judge according to what they had done. They weren't being held to account. Then death and Hades. The grave. And can we just go back quickly to that diagram? Just quickly go back. And so here we have it. When Jesus returns, what happens? The grave is thrown into the eternal fire. The grave gives up its dead and resurrection. We held account and it's thrown into the eternal fire. And let's go back to that verse. Then death and Hades were thrown into the, the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life, who have not received and accepted God's gift of eternal life, were thrown into the lake of fire. So what the hell is hell? Pardon the pun. <laughs> what is hell? So let's, get, let's go back to that diagram. Here we go. What is hell? Hell is a continuation of the present, present state of the living death. It's an it's a, it's eternal continuation of this. In fact, if you've got an English translation Bible, whenever you read the word hell in your translation, it's the Greek word Gehenna. Everyone say Gehenna. Gehenna. Sounds like a song, Gehenna. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Gehenna. And in Hebrew, it's the it's guy Ben Hinnom which literally translated the Valley of Hinnom. Now, this is an actual physical place, Gehenna. It's a physical place found in southwest Jerusalem, a physical place, southwest Jerusalem. Okay, you can actually go, if you go to Jerusalem now, you can see the place of Gehenna. And this is the word that's translated as how. So literally, you can see how. Okay, you can see it, and it's this place. Now, it was in this place where the evil kings of Israel sacrificed their own children by burning them in honor of the god Baal. Here we have it. These kings who who are representatives of God, who are supposed to be protectors of God's Torah, God's law, God's word. And here they are rejecting God and seizing for themselves what's right and wrong and beginning to worship these, these, uh, these, these demonic gods, Baal, by sacrificing their own children. Here in, this, in the valley of Hinnom, the valley of, of, um, of Gehenna. And because of this, Jeremiah begins to prophesy against Jerusalem. He said, because of the wickedness within Gehenna, God is bringing judgment against Jerusalem and against Judea. And, it, and so this, this word Gehenna became this metaphor of God's final judgment. So whenever Jesus began to, to, to speak about how, he would use the word Gehenna. And when he spoke these words, Gehenna, the, 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 the Israelites who were hearing these words understood this is God's final judgment. Gehenna, this place, this, this place, this place, this cursed place is this place of judgment. In fact, Jesus uses, he, he almost is, is exclusively uses the phrase Gehenna. It, it's, it's found 12 times in a New Testament. 11 times it is quoted by Jesus. And only once by James, Jesus' brother, found in the book of James. But 11 times, Jesus almost exclusively uses this, this word Gehenna, which we translate as the word hell. And when he used this word hell, everybody understood. This was the place of final judgment. 
the place of fact, Jesus will go on to say in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, don't be afraid of those who will want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in Gehenna. And that's what he says, Gehenna, which we translate as hell. In Gehenna. Hell is real. And it's described by many metaphors and, and imageries in our Bibles. And we've got all these fiery imageries. We've got the lake of fire, uh, which, which, which um, John, the writer of Revelator, he's riffing off Daniel 7. If you're familiar with Daniel 7, in Daniel 7, you've got the throne room of God. And coming out of the throne room of God is this, is this, is this river of fire and the beast. The beasts, these nations that are against God are thrown into this river of fire. And so here we've got John, we've got a lake of fire. There's a river, there's got to be a lake somewhere, right? So and this is where they're thrown into this lake of fire. And we've got all these images of sulfur, fire burning. But also, when we come to hell, there's also images of darkness, images of, of remorse and sadness. In fact, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 11, Jesus will, will describe it like this. And, I'll tell you, and I tell you this, that many Gentiles, many who, Gentiles mean those who, who are not Jews, many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from the east and the west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of, of teeth. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he describes, he brings this imagery of what hell is like as eternal, relational separation from God. This eternal separation from God in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9. That will be punished with eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord and from His glorious power. Forever separated literally being shut out from God's presence. I mean, why were we created? To be his representatives. We are his image bearers. And whatever this place is, is now you're shut off from your purpose, why you were created. This place, you know, it's got all these imageries. That there's, there's, there's fire and there's darkness. Can we have fire and darkness in the same place? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But all these images, all I know is this is a place that you do, not, you do not want to go and you do not want anyone else to go. That's all we know. And the ultimate thing is separation from God's presence. The ultimate is separation from God's presence. So what does this look like? So what does it look like when we receive God's gift, when God gives us gift of eternal life and when we receive, because we, we can receive it or reject it. What does it look like when we receive it? What does it look like when Jesus returns? And if you've got your Bibles, turn with me again to Revelations chapter, oh actually, let's go to Philippians chapter 3 verse 20. And I love what the Apostle Paul says, he said, but we are citizens of heaven. Okay, does this mean that we're going to heaven forever and ever and ever? That heaven is our home? No, it doesn't mean that. No, why? Because that's where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we we eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. Where are we waiting for him? We're waiting for him here on earth. Jesus is coming here. It's about heaven and earth coming together. It's not about us being evacuated to heaven. It's about heaven and earth coming together. This is our home. This is, this is what we were created. Not, we're not on heaven forever and ever. It's about heaven and earth coming together. And it goes on in verse 21. He will 
take our weak mortal bodies. Anybody got a weak mortal body? Anybody skip leg day this week? Anyway, he will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own. It doesn't mean, oh, sweet, I can just take it easy. No, no, it doesn't mean that. Just, hey, come on, keep, keep honoring God with the way that we live. Using the same power with which he will bring everything under his, under his control. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own. What do we know about Jesus' body after he rose again? What do we know? We, we, we know his body was still physical. He still had the marks on his hands when he rose again. He still had, this, he still had the marks on his, on, his, on his hand and feet, right? So we know it was physical. He ate with his disciples. He ate fish with his disciples, which I'm happy because I get to still eat fish. <laughs> he ate fish with his disciples. But what else do we know? We know the disciples were in a locked room, then all of a sudden Jesus appeared in the locked room. It was like, hey, Jesus, how did you get in here? So whatever it is, these, these glorious bodies can, can able, is able to exist both in, in our space and God's space. There's heaven and earth coming together. Whatever it is, whatever it is, I'll, just as long as I've got a six-pack, I'll be happy. Anybody else be happy for a six-pack? I want to exchange my family pack for a six-pack. Anyway. Anybody else got a family pack? No, just kidding. Revelation chapter 21. I thought I'd try to bring something. It's a bit heavy, yeah. This is a bit heavy subject. I thought I'd bring a bit of humor in here. <laughs> Revelation 21. Glorious bodies, whatever they look like. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And, and it's really bad luck if you like surfing. Amen. <laughs> or if you like fishing. No, that no, doesn't mean there will be sea. You, you'll be surfing the perfect wave, the new heaven and earth. You'll be hanging 10. Who knows what the glorious body will look like? Maybe you're hanging 20. Anyway. But sea was a picture of turmoil and chaos. And what the writer's saying, you know what? All these issues, these problems you have, no more. You're not, no more. No more hard times. They are all going to be gone. The very same God who gives you this new resurrected glorious body will bring a new heaven and a new earth together. Verse 2, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a beautiful bride, dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, and here's the big announcement. And it's most likely the most important words to the heart of God. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Can you think of, a, of another time in the Bible where God dwelt and walked amongst his people? That he will walk amongst the, uh, amongst the trees? It's the Garden of Eden. Where heaven and earth overlapped with Adam and Eve. Where God will walk with Adam. And God is, is re-again bringing back his, his intended purpose for humanity. That God will dwell, God himself will dwell amongst us. You know, when we look in Scripture, it says that, that no one can look on God and live, 
right? Whenever the angel of the Lord would come or appear before somebody, they'll say, oh, no, I've seen God, I will die. Because Scripture said you cannot look at God and live. In fact, Moses, Moses said, God, can I, I just have a peek of what you look like? You know, Moses, even Moses wanted to see God. And God said, you can't handle it. You can't handle the truth. You can't handle it. And he goes, Moses, come on, God, please, let me just have a peek. He said, okay, God, okay, Moses, this is what I want you to do. Go and just put your face against the, the side of a mountain. I'm going to put my hand on you. And as I come by you, you can look at my coattails. You can just, because that's all you can handle. Because you can't handle it. And yet the scripture says that God himself, himself will dwell with his people. I don't know if you can recognize how powerful that statement is. Verse 4, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Headaches, no more. Backaches, no more. Can anybody get an amen? Arthritis, no more. Here, more. And everyone of the same hairstyle as me, as me said, amen. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm booking in an afro. I love an afro. Anyway. Might get afro eyebrows, but anyway. <laughs> Sickness. It will all pass away. If, if you're worried, if you're stressed about your job, finances, the price of petrol, it will all pass away. Have you ever lost someone you loved? You know the pain that comes with that. Or maybe you're worried about losing someone. No more death ever again. And for those of you who have been hurt by someone and you find difficult to trust them, no more sin in relationship. No more poverty. No more kids or babies dying because of lack of nourishment. No more disease, no more death, no more war. Imagine a, a world with all this gone. And think about this. Any tear that you shed, for whatever reason, God himself will comfort you and personally wipe away those tears. What will the new age be like? No more death, no more mourning, no more pain. Revelations 22 verse 3. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city. And His servants will serve Him. They will see His face and His name will be on their foreheads. The curse is gone. The curse of sin and death. It's broken. And what are you going to do? What does scripture say? You will see his what? His face. Remember, we couldn't even look at, look at God and live, but you will see his face. And when you see his face, in that moment, you will truly see him and that your life will be truly altered. You'll see his goodness. You'll see his glory. You'll see his mercy and you'll see his grace. And all of a sudden, you're going to look at him and you're going to say, you're my rock. When you see him face to face, when you see the love of your soul face to face, you're going to say, you're my rock, you're my salvation, 
You are my redeemer. You are my righteousness. You are my provider. You are my comforter. You are everything I ever desired. I don't know if you can understand what it'll be like. And in that moment, you're just going to start worshiping. You're just going to start worshiping because you, you you just got to. And then the words that we sung today, Amazing Grace, takes on new meaning. And when we've been here 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, with no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun. Come on. So what are we going to be doing in heaven? Are we just going to be walking amongst the trees, eating fruit? Eating, the tree of, eating from the tree of life? What does the Bible says? There's a city. What do we find in a city? Industry. We're God's image bearers. What are we created to do to image God? Can you imagine the things that are going to be invented? Can you imagine about the movies that are going to be made? Oh, we're going to watch the most epic movie you've ever seen. You're going to hear songs, you're the most epic song you've ever seen. You, you just think about this world of, of, of humanity without the power of curse and death upon us. Imagine what humanity can be, begin to do with God. Industry, the most beautifully designed buildings, most beautifully designed gardens. And above all, God is there. You know, you, this is what your spiritual enemy wants you to think. The enemy, this enemy of God wants you to think that eternity can wait. Live for each day. Live for things. Let it be all about you. Continue to grasp what is right and wrong in your own eyes. Don't trust in a loving God. Don't you dare put trust into some eternal plan. Don't even let your mind go there because if it does, you might truly become like Christ. And you truly might become great. You might truly become a kingdom player. And you might truly leave behind a spiritual legacy that will change generations. See, the second thing the enemy wants you to believe is that everyone's going to heaven. It's the default. That you never need to examine yourself. That you can float around life completely deceived. I'm a good person. Yeah, I go to church now and then. I've done some good things. Therefore, I must be going to heaven. I've been there. But don't be deceived. See, God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. Did you know that? God's not some vindictive, out there, distant being that's just waiting for people to go to hell. In fact, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 says this. God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. He wants everyone to be saved. See, eternal life and hell are not future realities, but present realities. Back in the Cook Islands mine, my great-grandfather, his name was Co Covers. Co Covers. My grandfather's name is Tepare Covers. Now, in the Cook Islands back in the days when my grandfather was growing up, it was illegal to have alcohol in the Cook Islands. Did you know that? It wasn't until the 1960s that you can have alcohol in the Cook Islands. When the missionaries came, they outlawed kava, no more kava in the Cook Islands, and they made sure alcohol was, was illegal as well. And uh, my, my great-grandfather, uh, Coke Covers, he was a police chief 
on the island of Rarotonga. And uh, one day, as he's been a police chief, he found his son, my grandfather, Te Parikawas, making homebrew in the plantation. Now, what do you think my great-grandfather did? Did he say to him, hey, you're my son? No one else knows about this, but don't do it again. Please, you know I'm, you know, I'm the police chief, and this is going to look bad on me. Don't do it again. You can go. Did he do that? If he did that, what does it mean about him? What does it mean about his integrity? What does it mean about his character? It will mean that he's not a just police chief. You know what he did? He arrested his son and put him in jail. Now, did my great-grandfather want to put him in jail? No. Was it my great-grandfather's fault that my grandfather ended in jail? Was it his fault he's there? Oh, he just wants... It's his fault. He sent me. He sent me. Was it his fault? It wasn't. It broke his heart. You know what my great grand great grandfather did? As soon as he put him in jail, he went and he paid. He paid the price for his son to be released. He paid the price himself. He bailed his son out. He loved him so much that he paid the price so that he can be free. My grandfather could have said and just said, I don't want, I don't want your gift. I'll continue on. And I'll continue and get what I deserve. But my grandfather was pretty wise. He said, okay, thank you. Thank you, Dad. He was out of there. Let, let me tell you something. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. He loves you so much. It breaks his heart. It really does. It breaks his heart when he sees his children re- continue to reject him. But he made a way up that he stepped into his creation and he binded himself in flesh. And in the fullness of Jesus on the cross, he absorbed into his body, not just my sin, but everyone's sin. And on the cross, he paid the price. So you may be free. And the Bible calls this a free gift, the gift of grace. We can choose to receive it or we can continue to say, you know what, I don't want your gift. I'll continue on. I'll continue to seize for myself what's right and wrong. And you can. Heaven and hell are not just some future reality, present realities. You can step into eternal life today or continue to walk within your living death. The choice is yours. Come on, let us pray.